what's going on on my podcast members, whether you're from Spotify or Anchor or Apple, see Jizzle and the fucking Wizzle bringing you another episode. I just got home, it's been kind of rainy on and off, and uh, got kind of a late start to today, you know, I slept in until about like 3 in the afternoon, but uh... I was going to go over and cut my mother's yard, but she went to sleep early, like 5 or 6 in the evening. And, uh, I shaved my beard off today, which marks a milestone for me. I was planning on going over there, cutting her grass, and maybe smoking with her, you know, but she had other plans. So I got hold of another friend that lives right down the street and he said he's got plans and so I called somebody else that lives right down the road and he said yeah come on over and we'll have a couple beers and I ordered some pizza so it was really nice that he offered me pizza but I didn't eat any of it Um, but we had more than just a couple beers finished my six pack you know he had three I had three and then we went back and got another six pack so I've had about a six pack and I just bought another one and uh, I spent my last little bit of money on alcohol and cigarettes tonight pretty much which pisses me off. I mean, I already have food here to eat, but it just pisses me off that I'm spending money that I shouldn't. It really kind of pisses me off. Really beat myself up over it. But if I didn't have cigarettes and alcohol to make this podcast, then it would be pretty boring. So. I've realized that over the past few months, you know, if I'm not drinking and smoking while I'm making a podcast, it's really kind of boring, so. Anyways, I went over to a buddy's house right down the street from my job, and uh, we sat there and watched the lightning storm that came in. Smoked a little bit of my weed that I had, some dispensary weed. And uh, I really didn't want to smoke my good weed with them, but I didn't have my crappy weed with me, so uh, it is what it is, but sharing is caring. But now I've only got so much left of my dispensary weed. Anyways, I waited for Kyle to get off work, because I was going to just ride home with him, and smoking up with him, maybe play some video games, drink a few brews, and he bitched out. He rode past and he's like, oh, I'm not going to do anything for tonight. So, I don't know, you know, it's he bitches and complains that it's been over a week since we've worked together and we don't ever get time to hang out and tried to hang out with him tonight and he uh, blew it off, so... 
fuck it, I guess. <clears throat> I've gotten to the point where I realize, especially getting older, uh, people don't want anything to do with you. You know? And it kind of opens up my depression stages from before, but it's just kind of a natural self-realization that when you get older, people are doing their own thing, and, you know, just because nobody wants to hang out with you or chill with you doesn't mean that it's the end of the world. Start doing your own thing, you know, start going to the park by yourself, you know, or sightseeing or whatever by yourself and then whenever people start realizing that you're not hanging around them anymore they're gonna be like where have you been you know that's the way it always goes so I think what I've been doing is giving people too much of my time People have been, you know, accustomed to the fact that my time is pretty much free, and it's really not. <clears throat> Especially within the next few months. Got so much shit to do, it's not even funny. I'm going to try and go up to the DMV and get my license reinstated. And, um, I've got about 150 bucks, well, more than that, but 150 bucks left on my card. And I think I'm going to save that just for that. That way I only need to cough up another $100 and I can get my license reinstated. So, I'm still going to have to call up there the DMV and ask them what the hell else do I need to do that way I'm not flying into it blind anywho it's been a pretty uneventful night like I said I got up kind of late I guess you could say Everybody was really lazy today. It was a hot day out. The heat index got to like 102. So my air conditioning unit's been running non-stop for 24 hours. Anywho. People don't realize that I only get certain days off and that my time is really valuable um, people like my mom I got a hold of her earlier today and she's like oh I'm feeling tired I said well I won't see you until probably next Thursday you know I only get Thursdays and Saturdays off so Maybe I might squeeze over there, but like I said, my time is really valuable throughout the week. I still got to go take my bike over there to get fixed. I've got to go get a haircut. I've got many things that I got to do throughout the week, and I haven't been waking up early. So, I 
think I'm going to go tomorrow and get a haircut early in the morning, though. Before I have to go to work. That way I can get that out of the way. Uh, I could do it at home. I could just buzz cut it, but that's not what I really want, so... Paying 20 or 25 bucks is probably what's going to happen. Anywho. Then I got to go get my uh, bike tire fixed. That's probably another 30, 40 bucks. And um, I still got to save some money for... In case I'm going to be short on rent with these next two checks. I doubt that I will be, but I like to have that extra bit of cushion. Anything extra that is left over, I just put it towards my groceries or whatever. So, anywho. Time to smoke a little bit of weed. <laughs> this kid that I went and hung out with is some kid that's a regular customer up at the gas station. And like I said, he don't live very far from the gas station. So... Anywho, pretty chill guy to hang out with. Sometimes he kind of gets on my nerves. He's kind of cocky or whatever, but it is what it is. I'm going to save some of that good weed and use some of this weed. Yeah. Anywho, like I said, it's been a long day, even though I've been off. I got started kind of late. I didn't have much motivation today. Um, and then by the time that I got out, I mean, it was already dark. So I'm probably just going to spend the rest of the night watching cartoons and drinking some brews. Until I pass out. <laughs> Pinky in the brain or Animaniacs. I got some Tom and Jerry I can watch. So I really got a whole bunch of different options. I can get on my phone and watch uh, Pluto TV. Use up all that fucking data. <laughs> as much data as I can use. <laughs> but yeah, I mean... Things have been really depressing lately. I've been... At my lowest for, you know, 
couple weeks now. I've been really depressed. I don't know why. But, um, I know that I'm depressed, so. Anywho, I pretty much tend to stick to myself whenever I'm depressed. And, um, like I said, I get in these little spells, these little moons where I don't hang out with anybody, and they're like, where have you been? And then I get in these little spells where I give everybody all my time, and they don't ever want to hang out, so... gotta find a fine line somewhere I think I need to start giving myself more time and start saying fuck everybody else nobody really values it you know as much as you do when you get to be 85 years old and you're taking your last breaths you're gonna be like man I should have spent my time better And I don't want that. I don't want to have to second guess whether I spent my time in a good way or if I wasted it. I want to be able to look back and say, man, I had a good ride. I did a lot of shit. I've seen a lot of shit. I've seen it all. You know, I want to be able to die comfortably and... Yeah, and I don't want to die in a nursing home. You know, a lot of people, they get put in a nursing home. I don't want to die in a nursing home. I'd rather be in my own house and live out my last bit of days, even if I got to get a caregiver. Dying in a nursing home in a foreign place with all those different people. and You could be dead for fucking 30 minutes before the nurse comes around to pass medicine. You know, it's just a really dark place. I don't ever want to end up in that place. There's a lot of shit that I seen whenever I was a CNA at a nursing home and it really changed my uh, thinking process. First of all, I didn't want anything to do with that scene anymore it was just too much for me after a year you see a lot of fucking shit and um, I got really close to a lot of the patients in there um, and a lot of them I really didn't get along with but either way I knew that I was giving the best care and there was one guy in particular named William Burney, some older guy, he was a Vietnam veteran, and the nurses were all black and shit, and they told me, oh, there's no way that you're ever going to get anything out of him, he's an asshole, you're never even going to be able to get him to cooperate, and I went in there, and when I'd change him, I'd make small talk with him, you know, when I'd change his bed sheets, or when I'd 
wipe his ass for him or take him to the bathroom, we'd make small talk. And he got to the point where he considered me as like a son. He really thought highly of me. And he told me, if you ever get me out of here, I've got a 56 Cadillac with your name on it. He always used to joke around about that. And I'm sure he had a lot of cars and a lot of money. His daughter was a uh, CEO of a coal mine. And I never seen his daughter's face whenever I was there. She never showed up. She just kind of left him there, you know, to die. And when he dies, she's going to get everything that he owns. As if she didn't have enough, because like I said, she's already a coal mine CEO, so. But it was really sad. Some of the stories that he talked about, he, uh... He said that he was uh, in charge of a platoon of men and there was a big hillside where Chinese forces were coming over and he said there was so many of them that he just couldn't count them. And they ran out of bullets. They ran out of ammunition. They didn't have any more ammunition. And here comes all these fucking Chinese troops down the hillside. So what he did was he put his men inside this bunker. And he can remember the, the Chinese troops, uh, well the Vietnam troops, sorry, passing around back and forth, back and forth. And he said if I would have stuck my head up, they would have seen those two gold bars on my helmet. They would have probably killed the whole fucking platoon. But... He said they just went on about their business, and uh, eventually they ended up getting more ammunition. I don't know how, but, um, and they ended up fighting off the rest of them, so, obviously he was still alive, so he did something right, you know. And you can't make that kind of shit up. You can't, especially at his age, you can't make that kind of shit up. Those are the kind of memories that stick with you for forever, you know. And every time that he needed to be changed, like if he'd shit his pants or whatever, you know, yeah, it really sucked. It was really terrible. But he always requested meat because, why? Because... He didn't want to feel embarrassed. And he felt really comfortable around me. You know, like I was his son. So, I remember it was really cold one year. It was like around Christmas time or New Year's. And he wrote me a check. He wrote me a $100 check. And he looked me in my eyes and he told me, this is for you. This is because you deserve it. You need to go and cash it. And I told him, I can't do that. You know, I really swore to him, I, I cannot do that. By law, I cannot take this check from you. And he swore up and down, oh no, you need to fucking take it and cash it. He, you know, don't fuck, just take it and cash it, you know. He kept saying it over and over. You deserve it. 
and for years and years I kept that check. I've still got it in a lockbox with all the other important shit that I've ever collected in my life. I've still got that check. And I never cashed it. And just something that kind of reminds me of shit along the way. But I can remember whenever I was leaving there. Um, I went in there and told them that I'm, I'm not going to be here anymore. And it was really heart-wrenching to think about what his life how he was going to live out the rest of his life without me being there. That was really hard for me. But I knew I, I just couldn't deal with the uh, director of nursing anymore and the atmosphere, and it was just crazy. You know, like, one night I went in, and there was this person that was dying, and I can remember from months before, she always needed change. She was always pissing her pants and taking her to the bathroom and shit. I think her name was Dorothy. And she was at the end of the hall in one of the suites that had two beds and it had a bathroom. But there was only her in there. They didn't have anybody else in there. And anyways... I can remember her being put on hospice and usually when somebody's put on hospice they only last like a week maybe two weeks but they pump them full of morphine and everything to where they can't feel anything they give them some good pain medicine on the way out and that actually kind of kills them a little bit faster too I mean they don't feel any pain but morphine is really toxic, you know, anywho, she was taking her last breaths one night, I was getting ready to, it was getting to the end of the overnight, I was getting ready to clock out, I had like three hours left, I had to start getting my morning patients up and giving them a shower and brushing their teeth and all that shit, and we had this lady that started taking her last breaths. She went really peacefully though. She didn't, I mean, she was gasping for air like normal people do when they take their last breaths. They call them the death rattles. But it wasn't too overworked, you know, she went pretty easy. And then whenever um, the, the director, well not the director of nursing, but there was a nurse named Tim, who was my side hand man, he was the only male nurse there, and we went down there with the stethoscope, and we listened to her heart slowly stop. There wasn't anything that we could really do at that point. Her heart had stopped. It was slowly, you know, and then you could hear all the uh, bowel movements and everything inside of her, like her stomach growling and stuff when she was actually dead. Um, 
really an eerie sight. Especially for somebody that's young like that, 20 years old, 21, whatever. I had a really important role. I was really, if I seen something that was wrong, I had to go to the nurse and tell them. And um, I really felt like it made a difference. Even though I knew that these people didn't stand a chance, they were on their way out, I really felt like I made a difference. And then there was a night when there was two people that were dying in the same room in the same night. And one of them was taking their last breaths while the other one in the same bed next to them was taking their last breath. But the other one had like a bowel obstruction and she was puking up black tar, like black blood, old blood. And it was like something out of The Exorcist. She's taking her last breath, but she's choking on all this blood that she's, that's just coming up, you know. And uh, the person that was the CNA was so attached to her that she started giving her mouth to mouth. And I told her, that's not healthy. That's all the shit that was in her intestines. That's a bowel obstruction. You know, not only could you get AIDS or hepatitis or anything else, C. diff, but it's just not healthy to be doing mouth-to-mouth with somebody that's had a bowel obstruction and all the shit and all that blood in their intestines has come up. It's really an ugly sight. It's really ugly. And until you see it in person, you don't know how to really describe it. It's like something out of the exorcist. It's crazy. And so anyways, she was, she was, um, the other lady was picked up by the coroner's office, but she was waiting to be picked up by the coroner's office for hours and hours and hours. She literally, after she got her shower and everything, she got placed in her bed and when I went in there to get some towels for another patient since she wasn't going to use them anymore <laughs> there was a mirror in the room and I looked over in the mirror and I seen her sitting there in the bed just like staring at me but her eyes were closed so I felt kind of creeped out I'm like whatever I'm just going to get these towels and but then I went outside a little bit later. There's a courtroom where you can go out there and smoke cigarettes and, you know, like an open air pavilion. And there's a wind chime out there and a garden and stuff. And I said, Damn it, why'd you have to die on us tonight? And I said her name. And that wind chime started going off. Started kind of rattling around. And that kind of set the icing on the cake for me. I mean, that was really creepy. I definitely believe in an, a spirit world, you know. And...
end up. But there was a whole bunch of other crazy shit. Like people with Alzheimer's that thought that they were in an airport. And the pilot of the fucking plane, they wanted to talk to him. And there was another lady that thought she was camping. And she was in a log cabin. And she kept calling upstairs to her husband. Well, there isn't an upstairs at that facility. So... There was one lady, um, maybe her name was Dorothy. Maybe that's who I'm thinking about, but she, um, maybe that's why my, why her name stuck so well, because I remember it so well. But we went down there, she was at the end of another wing at the end of the hall, and she was wandering around in the hallway in her wheelchair she's just wandering around at like three in the morning and we're like dorothy go back to sleep you know and she's just wandering around like blabbing you know about nothing so we finally take her back down to her room and we put her in bed but when we put her in bed we realized that her feet were really cold like ice cold so we asked her if she wanted a blanket, and she got pissed off. She said, fuck no, I don't want no fucking blanket. You know, she started getting really mean. She said, okay, we'll just leave you here in your bed, you know. And when the nurse came back around 45 minutes later to do her med pass, she was dead. She had a massive coronary. Um, her heart had exploded. And um, when we had to go in there to do the cleanup, to take her out of bed, get her put into the shower, you could see all the blood that had kind of just settled on the back, you know, from where she had laid in the bed. And it looked like a big giant bruise, you know, but it was really all the blood that had exploded out of her heart had just kind of pulled there. And to be honest, the whole time I was there, I didn't have to give very many showers after people died. I left that kind of up to other people, thank God. I was, I was there during a couple times when rigor mortis started to set in. You know, and people that don't know what rigor mortis is, it's when you die, your muscles get stiff, your bones get stiff. It's really hard to kind of bend somebody around to get a shower. There's a certain way really I do it. So, anyways, it just wasn't the scene for me. I wasn't in the nursing world to be in geriatrics. I wanted to get into nursing to be a flight nurse. And the only way I would ever become a flight nurse is if I got a job at the hospital and did two years of ER experience and then got on a waiting list to become a flight nurse. Which back then was impossible to me. I mean, here I am working at a fucking retirement home. How am I going to get a job at the hospital, you know?
maybe I could have. Looking back at it now, if I'd had more drive, maybe I could have gotten a job at the hospital back then and gotten to the ER room and, and did my experience. Maybe. But even then, being a flight nurse and going to all these crashes and shit, seeing people all mangled up and fucked up and shit, you know, they got ran over by a semi. I'm like, I, I don't really think this is for me, you know. It takes a really hardened individual with a strong stomach to be able to do that shit. And I have a very strong stomach. But it's just the mentality thing, you know, of seeing these helpless people that you... You try and help them, but you know there's nothing you can do. You know, and that's the worst part. So, I decided that nursing really wasn't for me. Even though I wanted to make a difference, it just wasn't for me. And I'm glad I kind of got out of that field, because you did a lot of work for nothing. I mean, you got paid like minimum wage almost and if somebody didn't show up if you got done doing an eight hour shift and somebody didn't show up you had to work a whole nother eight hour shift so you had to do a double and it was just too much work for not enough pay and a whole bunch of other shit that I seen in the whole year But it was really crazy because I did my schooling in North Carolina to be a CNA and then I moved back to Illinois. And my schooling, even though it was at a good college, at Southeastern College, it didn't transfer back to Illinois. So I had to take the whole class all over again. And this time we had homework. In North Carolina, we did all of our work in class. We never had homework. But when I came back to Illinois, we had homework. And we'd have to do like four chapters a night. Plus what we learned in school. And I was working at the time. So it was really fucking hard. It was really hard. There was a couple times where I said, I think I'm going to fucking quit. I think I'm going to give this up because I just can't handle it. I can't handle doing all this homework at night and getting to bed at 3 in the morning and waking up at 7. You know, this is just impossible. And I remember when I told my dad this, because he's the one that paid for the class. He paid the 800 or whatever dollars. And he kept telling me, oh no, you need to fucking finish this out don't be a pussy about it just fucking do it so I did it and I got it done and I graduated with like a 95% but it wasn't for me you know there's certain things that you're going to try in life and you're going to think it's for you you're going to think it's great and you're going to find out five years, ten years down the road, oh, this isn't really what I wanted to do, you know, 
But whenever I think about being a game warden, going back to school to be a game warden, I think that's a perfect job. You get to be out making a difference, protecting wildlife and shit. You get to be outside in the outdoors. You get a retirement, you get a pension, you know. You get medical coverage. And you make like 60 grand a fucking year. So that's not a bad job to have. But people in law enforcement that I've talked to says it's almost impossible to get a job as a game warden. Pretty much what a game warden is, is a, um, it's a state police officer. It's somebody that's sworn in as a state police officer. You have to go through cadet training for nine months in order to even be a game warden. But in order to even get on that list, like, let's say California hires, like, 400 game wardens. Somewhere like Illinois, they don't hire quite as much, but it's the highest paying state in the country. Which, I'm not going to be a game warden here in Illinois, but California and Texas are the second paid highest. And I don't really see myself being a California resident. I just can't see myself paying all the taxes and everything. And I've always wanted to chase tornadoes and shit, so maybe I might end up in Texas. Who knows? Who knows? But wherever I end up, I gotta be, be comfortable with spending 25 years there. Because that's what you got to do to retire. So, in order for me to even get looked at, I got to go back to school. I got to get two years in this and maybe, um, or a year, a year in this and a year in that. And, and maybe somebody will have, um, be able to look at me and say, hey. You know, I might get a chance, but I might not. So, there's a real big gamble when you go back to college and you take these classes and you don't get accepted as a game warden. You still have to have something to fall back on. Whatever you went to school for is what you're going to use to fall back on. So, criminal justice... Sorry. Criminal justice isn't one of the things that I would fall back on, more than likely. So, maybe you're a veterinarian, or maybe you're a biologist, or an ecologist, or maybe you're, um, a horse veterinarian, you know, there's many different things. Maybe you uh, specialize in forestry or, um, you know, there's many different things that you can uh, specialize in whenever you're a game warden.
so that's what I plan to do. Even if it doesn't work out, there's other opportunities later down the road. But that's what I'm shooting for. I got some fucking uh, Nathan's Coney dogs in there, uh, pretzel dogs in there, and mozzarella sticks that I even, I forgot about them. <laughs> and I got two pizzas in there, some ice cream, just living a fat kid's dream right now. I don't even fucking care. That's how I've been lately. I don't give a fuck. That's the thing, man. When you get depressed, you just want to sit back, eat a tub of ice cream, and watch your favorite movies. <laughs> now, I didn't eat the whole tub of ice cream, but, you know... Point is, um, I haven't had a lot of control here lately. Not just with my mental state and everything, but still smoking cigarettes, still drinking beer. I still got all the same crutches that I used to have. So I don't know. I'm really trying to quit cigarettes. I'm really gonna... After this pack, I'm really gonna try. So... I can't afford them anymore, and my body can't afford them anymore, so I'm gonna try and give up cigarettes. But, it's gonna be really hard. When you work around them every day, and... People around you that you know smoke them every day, and... You drink alcohol all the time and you just want a cigarette, it's going to be really hard. Either way. Hmm. We'll get through it. I've got uh, some shots uh, getting cold in the freezer right now. And, uh, probably have to make another podcast here soon. I'm already at 45 minutes. By the time they get cold enough and I get another beer, it's probably going to be, uh, about time for me to make another podcast. So, but, today was pretty nice in the sense that I didn't have to really do a whole lot of shit, you know, it gave me time to kind of relax a little bit, even though I did get out on my bike and ride across town, but I didn't have to feel pressed for time or anything, so that's really the best part is getting up whenever you want. But I do know that every time that I get a day off, like Thursday, I gotta be at work Friday, the next day. So I 
I mean, I can't get too fucked up. Same thing with Saturday. When I get Saturday off, I gotta be at work Sunday. So, I never get two days off in a row to recuperate. So when I do drink, I drink mainly beer. Tonight, like I said, I had a buddy that I was drinking with. And probably had a whole six pack already. Had two more since then at least. So it's at least eight beers that I've had. And, um... Yeah, still kicking. <laughs> I feel like 12 is a magic number. I've had two six-packs before and uh, felt pretty slammed off of two six-packs. 10 is really the magic number, but 12 is the magic number. So... After that, I usually shut shit down and go to sleep. Well, I shut my face full of garbage and then I go to sleep. So, but I don't know, man. It's really uh, been a depressing time here lately. I've been trying to watch comedies and shit to get me out of this funk to find the happiness you know and uh that kinda helps but I don't even know if I'm gonna make another uh podcast after this one Getting at the 46 minute mark. <sighs> I don't know. I don't really know. If I'm going to make another one or not. I might. But. No promises. Don't hold me accountable. <laughs> This crazy as shit's been lately. I really might make another one, but maybe, maybe not. Anywho, I guess I'm gonna end this one right here. 47 minutes. I don't have nothing to really uh, talk about on this podcast, but. Maybe I have something else when I make the next one. So, anywho, it was real. It was fun. But it wasn't real fun. See Jizzle and the Wizzle signing off. Deuces. <laughs>